Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. Amen. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Ephesians chapter 5. We'll be looking at three verses this morning. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, 16, and verse 17. Once again, if you don't have a Bible, you can download our church app and everything is there for you. Uh, also, just download it to get some of the notes. We prepared notes for you so you can kind of fill in and follow along. So you can save it as just notes over the years and use that later on whenever you need it, whenever you want to study a passage. Or some of you will be going to different places around the world. You might be part of an underground church, possibly. And to be able to kind of go back to some of these notes and use that as Bible study as you bless other people. There's so many different reasons why I believe it will benefit you to be able to take down some notes and fill in those things. Also, I was a psychology major and a sociology major, so double whammy. So I study you individually and as a whole group. And so as a psychology major, one of the things that they teach, the more sensory uh, your senses, more of your senses that you use, the more you're going to be able to remember. So it's not just auditory. But it's also writing things down visually and all the things that we do, we're trying to help you to learn. So I pray that you will be able to do that as we even take notes as we follow along. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 17. Just have it open there. I wanted to start off, and I'm wondering, and I I want you to raise your hand. Uh, We'll kind of see what's going on here in in our church. But I'm wondering how many of you have ever said, I wish I had more time. Go ahead and raise your hand. Okay, uh, those of you who did not raise your hand, you're either sleeping right now or your life is just really chill. I don't know about you, but all I can say is I have found myself saying, I wish I had more time. More often than not. And something that I'm slowly realizing more and more is that my type of personality, like I, when, whenever there's like a couple minutes, I want to try to maximize those couple minutes and I start doing something when I shouldn't be starting and then I'm late. It's kind of like when you bite off more than you can chew because you have an overestimation of yourself and you think you could get this done, but you really can't. Or when your family member or your spouse might say, are, are you ready? And you say, 10 minutes. And that 10 minutes then become 15 and 20 because you're in the middle of something. And I'm, I was thinking about this. I go, wow, what if we had more time? And I came to the conclusion, if we had more time, we will fill our lives with more things. You guys know what I'm talking about? And then with more time, we're going to be like, I wish we had more time. It's crazy. But that's the fact of life. And Some of you know what that feels like. You're feeling so overwhelmed. There's this tension in your heart, stress because you have to take care of this or take care of that. There's a certain deadline that you have to meet. You have to finish this project at work at a certain time. Or maybe you have to hand in this homework for school at a certain time. You have to pick up your kids at a certain time while you're in the middle of something else. And so a lot of times when we think about our lives and think about time, we realize that it produces a lot of anxiety, and even stress within our hearts. So what are we supposed to do? We all have 24 hours in a day. That's 1,440 minutes uh, within that day. 
Uh, it's translated to about what, 80, 86,400 seconds per day that we have. And so we want to use every single one of those seconds. We want to use every single one of those minutes and hours purposely so that we can make the most impact not only in our lives, but in the lives of people around us. I want to show you this quick video that kind of shares about a parable about the 86,400 seconds that we have in a day. And I think all of us will understand the measurement of time is dependent, and how important that is, is dependent on what you're doing. And they'll kind of explain a little bit at the end, but I want you to listen to this parable and how we view the issue of time. Let's watch this together. It's kind of humbling, isn't it? When you think about time, where there's a millisecond, a second, a minute, an hour, a week, a month, or even a year. But this is life. Things are measured according to time. And your life and my life would be measured with what we do with the resource of time that God is giving to us for us to steward. I'm wondering what would happen if we actually thought about life in this way. If we knew that we had 86,400 seconds in a day, I'm wondering how would you invest your time? What would take most of your attention? What would you concentrate on? What would you give of yourself to? Can you imagine the impact that you can make on yourself as well as others and in this world? I think many of us were constantly fighting to make our lives count with the time that we have on a daily basis and even within our lifetime. This is the battle. This requires us to have a different mindset and a different perspective with time. Harry Ironside in his book Proverbs and the Song of Solomon writes this. He says, time is given to us to use in view of eternity. What he's simply saying is that we get this gift of time. And what we do with this time will be determined how we view eternity. Therefore, the way you live your life, if you only live for the here and now, that you're not going to use it very wisely, you will just use it on yourself. But if you think about eternity, that everything that I do has impact that will ripple out to eternity, whether spending time with someone so they can understand the gospel message, so they can become a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ, that will have eternal impact. To be able to spend time in the Word and spend time with God and in fellowship with other believers, to be encouraged to help you to continue to walk and live according to His will, like it will have impact for eternity. When we see that everything and every single second of our lives can be used with this eternity in mind, then the question is, how will we use time, the time that he has given to us? 
I don't know about you, but I wish I could live to 90, 100. But I don't know if that's the case. I just don't know. I've seen people who are really healthy. They eat healthy. Their The BMI, body mass index, is really low. They're very healthy, and they die early. I've seen people who eat McDonald's almost every single day. They don't go blind, but they eat at McDonald's every single day, and all of a sudden, they just live to about whatever, and they smoke all, and then they live to 100. You're like, Lord, why? Those are the kind of philosophical questions we want to ask God when we go to heaven. Why? The point I'm trying to make is you and I, we don't know when we're going to pass away. Lord forbid that some of you will pass before 40, but who knows? Some of you will live a long time in your 90s, maybe up to be a century old. But the question is this, if you don't know how long you're going to live, then when you have eternity in perspective, how are you going to live your life from this point on? With the time that you have. J. Oswald Sanders, in his book, The Spiritual Clinic, he writes this, Time is a God-given stewardship for which we must render account. And our use of it will determine the value of our contribution to our day and generation. The difference between one man and another lies largely in his use of time. It really spoke to me as I was reading this, and I'm, I'm realizing that that's what separates one person from another, is how they use their time. You can look at two same people given the two exact same opportunities. And one will excel and one will not. And a lot of times it's how they use their time. And I don't know about you, but as I saw this contribution to our generation, I pray that many of you will want to make a difference in this generation. I think if we're serious about glorifying God and making our lives count, then we have to learn how to live our lives to the fullest with the limited time that we have here on this earth. We're continuing this series called, series called Make It Count. And last week I talked about the importance of making it count when it comes to our relationship with other people, especially in the area of biblical community, where you're able to clearly care and commit to each other. And through that, you can experience something that you've never experienced before. Today, I want to talk about the importance of making an account with our time, with this one life. And every day that passes by, every second that passes by, that's one day closer to our death. And I pray that we will all live every single second of our lives to the fullest for the glory of God. Let me talk about two things here in this passage. Two things that we notice about living our lives to the fullest, to the glory of God Uh, Just in these three verses, I'm going to break it down as best as I can. The first point is this, that we must live with God's wisdom. As we think about time that we have, we have to think about and live our lives with God's wisdom. Now, in order to put these three verses in context, we have to note earlier in Ephesians chapter 4, you got to listen to me carefully so you can understand the flow of Apostle Paul's logic. Earlier in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, all the way through chapter 5, verse 2, you will see that Apostle Paul makes this argument about living in the truth rather than deceit. 
This is something that he constantly reinforces because now, because of who you are in Christ, you are no longer living in deceit, but you are living in truth. This is the reason why if there's things that Satan will use, he will use deceit. He will deceive you. And also we will want to deceive other people, do things underground, all that stuff, because that is the way we don't live to the fullest of what God has intended. So here he is in these verses, chapter 4, verse 17 through chapter 5, verse 2. That's all he's talking about, this idea of living in the truth rather than in deceit. Then in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3 to 14, here's Paul now challenging the believers to now expose the darkness and live in the light. So live in truth rather than deceit, but now you have to proactively expose the darkness so that you can live in this light. The main thrust of the argument for living this kind of life is because you are no longer part of darkness but now you are part of the light. And this is a very important proposition that Paul is making. He says, because of Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross, we now put off our old self and put on this new identity. So we are no longer liars. We're truth tellers. We no longer have this bitter heart, but we learn how to forgive. We are no longer living in bondage to sin because we have been set free because of Jesus Christ. Because we're putting away our old self and putting on the new self. I believe that this should be one of the greatest motivations in our lives to live differently than the world. It's not so that you could parade yourself as being this self-righteous person and how good you are. Because all of us in this room, I don't care how long you've been a Christian, I don't care how many quiet times, how many times you pray at night, all of us in the deceitfulness and the wickedness of our hearts, we have all fallen short of the glory of God. So we're in good company. Can I get a good amen to that? I don't care what position or what title, I don't care what experiences you had of God, all of us are in the same boat. Sinners saved by this amazing grace. And so we are not motivated to do things to please people. We are not motivated to do things because we want to look good in front of other people. The motivation for us is because of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross, now we want to no longer live in our old way of life, the old way of thinking. We want to live this new life that God has provided for us through Jesus Christ. That's why we live with gratitude. That's why we live with devotion to God. That's why we're generous in giving of ourselves, our resources, time, everything that we have. Because what drives us now is because of what Jesus Christ has done. This is the gospel paradigm. And this is where Paul now encourages the followers, the followers of Christ, to live with God's wisdom. Let's go ahead and read verse 15. This is what the word of God says. So I kind of set you up now for what Paul is saying in these next three verses. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Let's just pause here and I want to make some comments on verse 15. After Paul establishes the fact that we are children of light, he clearly gives a warning to live wisely. The word walk 
It's the same word, if you study this, as to live. So when you're walking, you're actually living. So he says you got to live as wise rather than unwise. I want you to look at the word carefully. It's translated as to look around vigilantly, just just looking around, being vigilant, seeing the things around you so that you will not stumble. Uh, I don't know how many of you have ever walked on the beach barefooted, but I'm not talking about those really nice, soft sand. And they're really, I'm talking about some of these beaches where there's stuff sticking out, like rocks, glass, little things. Like, if you've ever been on those kind of situations where you're barefooted, but you're trying, you're not just like, oh, hi, everyone. And then you get all cut up, right? You're walking carefully. You're looking around. Is there any like sharp rocks or whatever the case may be? Or those of you who can't relate to that, uh, over here in Asia, they're much better. But in the States, they have like these dog parks where the dogs roam around free. And you should see them. They're the ones who are really walking in freedom or running in freedom. And they're like, <laughs> you know, they're so happy. They're running around. But for whatever reason, right around that area, especially when the owners are not responsible, you know that there are brown things just lurking around. And so when you're like, uh-oh, we, we know that there's some, you know, stuff, you're walking carefully. It's that same idea to, when it says to walk not as unwise, but as wise. It means to look around in a vigilant way so that you will not stumble. You will not step into things. Now, why is this important? Because if you think about this, the New King James Version, instead of using carefully, it uses the word circumspect. Hmm, that's like old English. Somewhere like, circum what? You know, not circumcision, but like circum what? Like, what, what, what is this? So let me give you the Merriam-Webster's Dictionary of circumspect. And this is what it means. Careful to consider all circumstances and possible consequences. So what Paul is simply commanding the believers to do is to live their lives in such a way that they are carefully considering all the circumstances and the possible consequences rather than living recklessly. This is kind of what you have to tell a lot of teenage kids and which is many of you in this room because you're still 19. You, you are not... You're, only when you're 20, you no longer become a teenager, right? So 18, 19. So until you get to 20, and once you turn 21, you, you, you're going to consider you as an adult. Not a big boy or a big girl. You are an adult. Something about teenage years, it's like, it's a rough year. It's, it's tough. Those years are tough. Like you're going through all these bodily changes, you don't know why your voice is going soprano and then bass and it's going back and forth. You don't know why things are growing out of your body, like different hair. You don't know what, like, where is this coming from? Like, you go through so many changes. Some of you guys are old and like, yeah, I've been there. But you don't remember how hard it was. It, it was hard. All the hormones going so you could be happy one day. This is what happens to all teenagers. They're like, ah! And then literally in 10 seconds, oh. Because they saw something on their phone. They didn't get a like or something like that. And so you, you know how it goes. I'm sharing this because something about the teenage years and when you study the brain, it's still developing. So they go through 
a lot of things that they have no guardrails. That's why, I mean, can I just be blunt and say, teenagers, all of us have been there, but some of you are still in there. We do stupid things. I just remember just when I was in high school, I, I, try, I shouldn't really say this because if my kids hear this, they're going to be like, well, you did it, Dad. But, you know, <laughs> you, you know how it works, right? But I, I remember, like, we would be, after our, our, our soccer game, like, we would all have cars, and so we would be driving back home, and we would be going literally 100 miles an hour. That's about, what, 140-some kilometers, even more, what is it, 150 or some kilometers, I don't know how, how many kilometers, but about 100 miles an hour, racing on the highway. I mean, that, if you think about it, it's like, that's stupid. But that's why teenagers, they have no fear. They're just like, yeah! Just crank up the music and they're going crazy. Now, I know some of you are probably thinking, well, that was then, this is now. Like, I'm past that stage. Uh, and can I just say, uh, some of us, we're not, because it just happened to me uh, this past couple days ago. Those of you who don't know, I'm helping out with the PolyU Life Group, and so we went hiking as a group event. So let me show you a picture. This was uh, us going up the escalator. This was the easy part, right? We're, <laughs> this is the easy part of the hike. You know, we're just going up the escalator, like, wow, we're getting higher, right? But... uh this was the easy part because you don't have to do anything. And so we went hiking, and then as we went hiking, we went climbed up to Devil's Peak, and this is our group. And yes, so this is our group here, and I took the picture. And so you, I just wanted to show you because if you look at our group, we have a fairly large group. It was about close to 30 people who showed up that day. So what happened was this. As we were coming down, we decided, let's get some ice cream. So we were going down to get some ice cream. And you have to imagine that there were 30 of us walking together. 30 young people walking together. And for whatever reason, the leader of that group decided to wear a black hat and a black tank top and like, what's up? <laughs> that leader has to repent, you know? And as we're walking down, we saw all these po-po, you know what I'm saying? They're just like everywhere. They're just like, wah, wah. And I'm like, what's going on? And we just realized, as I was checking my phone, that a lot of these different stations were being closed because of the protests. And so we were just walking together. And it wasn't like, you know, we're like a couple or anything. We were a mass group. So when we even crossed the street, we were literally holding travel. Like, okay, let's cross over and things. And guess what started happening? The police in their uh, van started following us. Uh, which I did not fully know because I was up in the front trying to find where this McDonald's was. And <laughs> Finally, uh, one of the co-leaders, you know, just focused. They were able to kind of direct us. So we went up, and as we are going up, one of the leaders, another leader said, Pastor Seth, did you know that the police were following us? I go, really? Okay. All right. And so after we got our ice creams, you know, because our group is large, we divided into four tribes. So I told these guys, the leaders of these tribes, hey, why don't you guys go back home in your tribes? Because we ended everything. Go back home in your tribes so that we will not draw attention. So everyone left. And I was all by myself. 
with the black hat and the black tiny top. And so as everyone was going to the MTR and just scattered about, I was thinking, oh, how should I get home? So I realized maybe I should take the bus, a night bus. That might be the best way to get back home instead of the train because some of those train stations were closed, especially leading to where I needed to go. So I was looking for the bus, and as soon as they came down, the police van was waiting right in front of the door. And so as soon as they saw me, because, you know, knowing that I'm a little bit older than everyone else, I think they presumed that I was the ringleader. <laughs> that I told everyone to scatter. And let's do a flash mob all over Hong Kong, you know? I should have taken a picture of myself. It wasn't very pretty. I kind of looked a little bit like, what? yeah. Anyway, so, so I kind of came out of the door, and my first thought was this. Oh, it's going down. That was my first thought. And this is where the teenage, teenager would be like, yeah, free Hong Kong, you know, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? That's the teenager side. But somebody who's like 50 years old would be like, calm down. We're just going to slowly kind of glide over and walk away. But that teenager side overpowered the older, mature person. <laughs> so I just started walking towards the van. Like, I don't know why. Something, it must have been some kind of spirit. I, I, I'm just confessing right now. Please forgive me. But like, I started walking towards the van. And as soon as I started walking towards the van, because I had to go on the, the sidewalk, separated the van to the door of that mall. I started walking towards the van. And as soon as I got close, within about two, three feet, the door opened and four police officers came out with their shield and everything. And that's when my teenager side died. And I'm like, <laughs> let the old man come back. I'm just like, it was almost like I woke up and I'm like, what, what am I doing? So they were, speaking, uh, they were speaking on Cantonese to me. So then I used my American English as best as I can so that they will understand that I am not a local. And so I said, I'm lost. <laughs> I, need to get, I need to get to the train st- or the bus station. Do you know where it is? So by this time, the four people, like they kind of slowly, a couple of them backed away. But then the, the, the top guy, he was probably like the captain of that platoon or whatever you want to call it. He kind of changed his face. And finally, one of the younger guys said, oh, there's a bus terminus over there. I'm like, thank you. And then I started walking away. I'm sharing this story because I realized in that very moment as I was walking away, like literally as I was walking away, they pulled over this other girl who had a black mask and black outfit. And they were asking for ID and checking her bags and stuff. The thought that came to my mind was, I am so unwise. In my stupidity and my foolishness, even if I were to just make any motion, something could have happened. Maybe I was scared. I would have been like, ah! They would have been like, Phew! and I'm like, not wise. Instead of running away from those kind of situations, I don't know why, something just gravitates towards that. And I realized if my family was there, anyone else, or even if the life group members, I would have put them in jeopardy. So I realized I wasn't thinking through the consequences. I wasn't thinking, pretty much that was a very unwise move. 
especially when you're wearing black and a hat that's black. Thank God I didn't have a black mask. Why is this important? Because here's Paul saying that if you knew the thing that you're about to do is not wise, then what happens is that you are becoming foolish. That's why it says, not as wise, but as wise. Listen to how the New Living Translation translates that part. Read it in the yellow with me. It says this. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. This is why we need God's wisdom as we are to live our lives to the fullest. With the time that God has given us, live it with wisdom, not as foolish people. I think too often we try to live off our own wisdom, our own understanding, what we think is right. But that always leads to foolishness. That always leads to disheartment or discontentment or whatever it may be. What we forget is that truly the life that God is calling us to live with the time that we have is to live it wisely. And the way we do that is when we trust and understand his heart. That's why in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, many of you know this verse. I'm going to read it from the Amplified Version. Read the parts in the yellow with me. It says this, trust in and rely confidently on the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own insight or understanding. Will you say that again with me? Do not rely on your own insight or understanding. In all your ways, know and acknowledge and recognize him, and he will make your path straight and smooth, removing obstacles that block your way. How about us this morning? Are you carefully living your life, thinking about the circumstances and the consequences that come? I'm wondering if people can see that you trust in God's wisdom to lead you and guide you more than your own self. Let's continue on as we talk about the wisdom of God, how we ought to live with the time that we have, with the wisdom of God. Look at verse 16. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Look at the phrase once again, making the best use of the time. It is translated as redeeming the time. Some of you have heard that before, redeeming the time. The word redeem means to buy something back. So pretty much what he's saying is making the best use of your time is here's the time and instead of wasting it, take that time, buy it back, bring it back into your life so that you can live it to the fullest. So in this context, we're buying back what? Not so much time because you cannot purchase time, but what he's saying is that buy back opportunities or the opportune season of your life. That's why in the NIV it says making the most of every opportunity. So this idea of redeeming or buying back the time means making the most of every single opportunity that you have. Paul is trying to convey this idea that time is short because the days are evil. Therefore, we have to do everything possible to make sure that we use our time wisely. Don't be a fool. Don't be foolish in how you live but use it wisely. Pretty much Paul is saying that the believers must take advantage of the time that they have that's given to them. 
They must use their talents. They must use their treasures. Everything that we have right now, we ought to use it. Now, once again, we need a perspective change. Right now, we have to remember that all these moments will not come again. So I want you to just pause for a moment with me, will you? I think this is important. College life will never come back again. Now, you might go to grad school, but it's much different from college. 18. (laughs) Somebody wants to go back and they're so disheartening. But 18 to 22, you will never get that again. I mean, look at some of you young people. Like, you could eat three in the morning and still be fit. You can't do that after 30. Like, think about the college life. You could stay up all night. You could hang out with people. You could do things, get to know all these different opportunities. That will not come back again. Single adults. How many single adults? Can I get a hoot here? All right. Single adults. Some of you are like, I don't want to be a single adult. Can I get another single and then we could just be a double? You know, I like... I. I just don't like single adult life. I'm going to tell you right now that your single adult life, it will never come back again. Well, I guess it could, but I mean. (laughs) You know me, I'm trying to think of all the options, right? So, But the single adult life, this stage of your life might not come again. And then when you're married... Those early years, when things are so new, I mean, it's hard to recapture that. Even when I look at the kids in our church, or even when I see some of the children when they're so young, I remember when my kids were that young. It was hard, but now, looking back, I wish we could kind of go back to that time when just it was different. And you were always here, those of you who have children who are young, they would say, oh, enjoy this time, enjoy this time. And you're sitting there like, I hate you because this time is hard. Because that's, that's what people said to me, to me and Christian. Oh, enjoy this time with the kids. Oh, they're so cute. And I'll be like, mm-hmm. I want to take you, you know, in my black outfit to the alley somewhere. You know, I'm just like, I don't want to hear that. But now I'm on the other side. And guess what I'm telling people? Enjoy the time. <laughs> These are moments, opportunities seasons in life that will not come again. So my challenge and question to you is, how are you living your life in this season with these opportunities that you have? F.B. Meyer in his book, Our Daily Walk, writes this. This is good. Listen, it is when we realize how short life is that we set ourselves in good earnest to redeem the time, to buy up each golden opportunity, The heart of wisdom will show itself in giving God a just proportion of our time. Like you will know that you're wise because with the time that you have and the season that you are in, you're maximizing that because it's a golden opportunity. Don't waste it. Don't squander it. Even some of you who are part of our church, some of you will not be part of our church after you graduate or after you move on or after you get married and move to another place. 
So while you are here, make the most of these opportunities. I hear this all the time from so many of our alumni and so many of those people who are part of our church. They go, sometimes I run across and we meet each other somewhere. Or sometimes we're talking and I'm like, so have you been able to find a church? And I'm like, yeah, we're still searching. Or yeah, we did. And they will always say, but we miss the community at HMCC. Don't leave this place and then say, oh, I wish I would have spent more time in life group. Because it's just hard to find a community, even though we all, every church will value it and they'll say it, but to actually do it takes time, commitment, it takes devotion, it takes everything that we have. That's why while you are here at this stage of your life, enjoy it, be a part of it, take advantage of it. Another thing that we have to keep in mind, I'm just expounding on this because this is so important about using the time and using it wisely. Another thing we have to keep in mind when it comes to opportunities that God gives us is that we have to learn how to obey when those opportunities come. If you ever want to read a book to kind of help you in your walk with God, uh, read any book by Henry Blackaby. And he writes in his book, Experiencing God Day by Day, which is an offshoot of his original book, the first book, which was Experiencing God, he writes this, and I think this is important. He says this, timing our obedience is crucial. Invitations for God come with a limited opportunity to respond. Very powerful statement. Some opportunities to serve him, if not accepted immediately, will be lost. Occasions to minister to others may pass us by. When God invites us to intercede for someone, it may be critical that we stop what we are doing and immediately adjust our lives to what God is doing. Missing opportunities to serve the Lord can be tragic. When an invitation from a, comes from God, the time to respond is what? Come on. Now. All oh, the sadness that I feel oftentimes when I see God opening doors for people to serve and they reject it. You lost that opportunity. Your life might be on a different trajectory right now. When God is speaking to you about talking to that person about the gospel or spending time with that person and because of your own selfishness or self-centeredness or even your defensiveness or maybe you've been rejected by them for X number of times and you're tired of trying to reach out, you're going to miss these key opportunities to be able to minister to them. So when Holy Spirit speaks to you, That means do it now, obey him, and you will see great fruits as you do it with the Spirit of God. The reality is we don't have all the time in the world. We're going to die one day. Life is short. Therefore, we have to make the best use of these opportunities. That's why in Psalm 90, verse 12, in the New King James, it says this. Read it in the yellow with me. It says, so teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of what? Wisdom. Number of days, Lord. After today, after the 86,400 seconds, that's one day closer to seeing you face to face. Make the most of every single opportunity that God gives you, that you have right now. And that's why Paul uses this idea of redeeming the time in the context of reaching out to even pre-Christians in the book of Colossians. Listen to what it says, Colossians chapter 4, verse 5, in the New Living Translation. Live wisely among those who are not Christians and make the most of every opportunity. 
I pray that if God brings some people who don't know Jesus Christ, it could be at your workplace, it could be in your neighborhood, it could be in your classrooms, it could be in your dorm rooms. Look at that as an opportunity. That doesn't mean that you have to change them, but you have to open your mouth, you have to demonstrate through your life that this might be an opportunity for you to serve God, to see someone come to know Jesus Christ. How about us this morning? Are we using our time wisely and making the most of every opportunity that God has given us? I'm wondering who are some people that God is calling you to invest in? We must live with God's wisdom. The second point is much quicker. It says this simply, not only must we live with God's wisdom, but secondly, we must live within God's will. We must live within God's will. Let's close out with verse 17. Listen to what it says. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So these two first verses, 15 and 16, it talks about the wisdom, living wisely. With the time, opportunity, as we redeem the time, we have to live wisely, not foolishly. But then in verse 17, it says, clearly, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of God is. The word foolish means to be senseless. That's why in the New Living Translation it says this, don't act, what? Thoughtlessly, but try to understand what the Lord wants you to do. The message translation, read it in the yellow with me, it says, don't live carelessly, unthinkingly, make sure you understand what the master wants. I'm wondering how many of us go through life living like this, though. That so many of us, we don't think. We're, we're a little bit careless in how we use our time. We, we, we don't reflect. We don't give any thought to our daily routine of life. Some of you don't even do any scheduling. You're just kind of like, oh, just as things flow. And I understand some of you are very chill. You like things, you don't like all these scheduling. You don't like all this stuff. You just, you just let it flow. Be water, my friend. Some of you just like to just flow. And to you, I will say, with no clear target, you're not going to hit anything. You could be the chillest and the illest of the chillest. You could be like, I'm chilling. But I can tell you right now, no girl's going to want to have you pursue her. What girl wants a guy who has no purpose or direction in life? Now, don't raise your hand, ladies. Just, just take, take it as I'm trying to help you, okay? <laughs> Brothers, I'm telling you right now, do you know what's sexy? Can I say that word here over the pulpit? Is <laughs> when a woman sees a man with a clear purpose and direction. I'm going to take a risk. Can I get an amen, ladies, if you believe in that? That's why some of you guys are not ready for a relationship because you don't know what you're doing with your life. You gotta have a purpose and why you do. You gotta understand what the Lord's will is. It doesn't mean you gotta figure out what God wants you to do in 30 years from now. But what is He calling you to do right now, right here? Sounds like a song. Right now, right here, you know. What is he calling you to do? So he exhorts the believers to understand what the Lord's will is. The word understand means comprehend intellectually. Some of us might be wondering, well, how in the world are we going to discover God's will? Well, we see it in Scripture. 
a famous passage that you know very well. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says this. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be what? Come on. Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. The way you understand the will of God is when you begin to renew your mind through his truth. So that comes through Bible, prayer, worship. And as our minds are being renewed, then we get conformity to the heart of God. Then we begin to understand, oh God, this is your will. This is what you want me to do. And then we obey by his grace. We have to remember it's just not enough to know what God's will is, but we have to obey. I think too often Christians feel like obeying God is very restrictive, but we have to remember that it is very liberating. I tell people, when you obey God, it is so liberating because we choose to obey rather than being in bondage to our will and ourselves. That's what A.W. Tozer said in his book, The Root of Righteousness. He says this, Let a man set his heart only on doing the will of God, and he is instantly, come on, free. No one can hinder him. If we understand our first and sole duty to consist of loving God supremely and loving everyone, even our enemies, for God's dear sake, then we can enjoy spiritual tranquility under every circumstance. It frees us when we obey God to obey his will. So when we live in God's wisdom and when we live within the will of God, you're going to be able to do some great things. How about us this morning? Are you renewing your mind daily with his word? I'm wondering when was the last time that you had even just someone speaking to your life and help you discern and understand what the will of God is? That's why when you bring this all together, this really is a picture of the will of God in the sense where the gospel that he wanted to reveal to every single one of you, he did it in a very visible way. All of us were lost, wasting our lives, wasting time. But Jesus Christ came into this world so that you can understand how much not only does he love you, but he has a purpose for you. And when you begin to understand that, you realize that God has redeemed us through his son, Jesus. And with our redeemed life, now we redeem or make the most of every single opportunity to live for him. And I think this is the key part for us, is that we want to now live with his wisdom and to live within his will because we've been forever changed. That's why in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, it says, For God says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. I pray that every single one of you will make that decision to follow Jesus Christ, to live with wisdom, his wisdom, and to live within his will. Therefore, the one thing, that I want to share for you to remember is simply this. We give God the glory to the highest when we live our lives to the fullest. That we are able to give God the glory to the highest when we live our lives to the fullest. And how do you do that? you got to live with his wisdom and you got to live within his will.
Can I just give us some next steps to think about, especially as we walk out of this place? Let's not just be a hearer of the word, but let's be doers. I'm going to believe that the Holy Spirit will speak to you about different things, but I pray that you will actually do something about it. The first thing is this. Stop making excuses. Everyone say, stop making excuses. excuses. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, stop making excuses. Stop saying, I'm so busy. Okay. I said like robots. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I, I, hi, <laughs> hi. We're going to go back and forth. Just, just repeat that first part. Stop making excuses. That's it, okay? Let me finish off really quick here. Um, stop making excuses. Some of you are like, oh, I don't have enough time or like, I'm so busy. Let's stop saying that. Let's really begin to look and say, what are some things I got to cut out? What are some things that I got to do? Because I know I got to do this. Let's stop making excuses. Because God has given all of us the same amount of time in a day. It's just how we're going to choose to decide. The second thing is this. Steward your time with priorities. Steward means to manage. To take everything that you and manage it well. Distribute it well. So think about your priorities in your life. And then steward that. The third thing is this, schedule your time well. Make sure you're scheduling things in. I know some of you are just kind of like, I don't like scheduling, but I'm telling you, you will see an increase of productivity if you learn how to schedule well. That's why there are some days I try not to meet with people because that's a day where I could just focus on my sermon. There are other days where I use that to meet with people. So sometimes I meet with like three or four people back to back. So I just sit there in the cafe and there's just new people come in. And that's why those people who work at the cafe, they're like, who are you? You know, because I'm just sitting there and these people are coming. But just consolidate so you can say on this day. And some of you cannot meet with many people within a day. You get burnt out. So make sure you separate it. But you got to know your schedule. So schedule out your time well. And lastly, is set your mind on eternity. I really believe that if you could set your mind on eternity, you realize what I'm doing right now Will this make a difference in eternity? Uh, one of the things I enjoy, I've been enjoying more and more is, uh, just during my commute, whether by train or even by bus, uh, the night bus when I go back home, is that even though it's only like 15, 20 some minutes or sometimes longer, that that time has become a very good time for me to actually pray, to think, just try to listen to God. That's why I'm getting some great ideas. I'm jotting down things on my phone. And last night as I was coming home, uh, someone was sitting right in front of me. He was an older gentleman. And I just kind of oversaw from the shoulder he was on, on his phone. And not to judge, because I know there's probably some of us here who do this as well, but he was playing that uh, Pokemon Go. The first thought in my mind is like, man, that was like, Yesterday, you know, I was, I was like, that's old now. It's out. But I was just thinking about it. I go, wow. He had his headphones on and was on his phone doing the Pokemon Go. And please don't misunderstand me. I don't, I don't mind when people play those games while you're traveling and all this stuff. I see people like tripping, but anyway, or slowing things down. But anyway, they're playing all these games, shooting games. I see a lot of different games and this with the little jewels, usually the older people. Anyway, these jewels and all this stuff. And the worst is when they don't have they don't have a headphone. They play literally out loud, and I'm like, Lord, 
grace, 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 mercy, mercy. I don't deserve anything. But anyway, I was just thinking to myself, if you have no purpose, then you just want to escape and you just want to do nothing. But I realized that when you live your life with purpose, as you go into your next meeting, you will begin to pray for that person because you're going there with a purpose. As you're getting things ready because you're going to have to do something or you're going to have to, like in my case, preach or to share something, lead something, then I can use that time to really be in the presence of God. So that's why I realized that it's amazing how when we don't have any purpose in life, we waste time. But when you are purposeful, you're able to do great things. And there's nothing more that will bring that to a reality than when you're about to die. Or you get a second chance at life. I want to close with this video about a, a young man who almost passed away and he got a second chance in life. And I want you to see how now he is living his life more purposefully because realizing time is short. Let's watch this and afterwards we'll close out here together. I just hope and pray that you don't have to go through a, a near-death experience to realize that life is short. But you know what? That's the sad part about our hearts. Sometimes we don't appreciate our parents until they're about to pass away. We don't appreciate our lives and all that God is doing in us until something happens to us. That's why we've got to reorient our mind. Think about things differently. We only have one life and time is ticking. 86,400 seconds every single day. 1,440 minutes every single day. 24 hours in a day. I pray that every single moment will be purposeful in all that you do. you want to give God the highest praise and glory to him then the way you do it is living your life to the fullest but do it with wisdom his wisdom be wise and also do it within his will and you know what his will is read the Bible and you will see what he wants you to do and obey when a door opens for you and you know that Holy Spirit is nudging you, obey because you don't want to have missed opportunities. It may never come back again. That's why many of you have to pray to overcome your fear, your selfishness, your own little petty dreams. You got to die to all that and to say, God, I want you more than I want myself. I want you more than my own dreams. I want your will, your vision, your purpose more than my own because when you are aligned with God you're aligned with him and your heart is beating in the same heartbeat with God I'm telling you right now everything that you even desire God will give you something so much greater and then you look back and say man that was so dumb like I wanted this this and this but God knows he knows your heart's desire that's why the Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you what? The desires of your heart. Because when your desires are not God's desires, it's going to be hard to delight in God. But when you start delighting in God, 
being in his presence, guess what? His heart will become your heart. The things that he delights in, you're going to want to delight in. I pray that the first step is to make that commitment to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And to all of you who are believers in Jesus Christ, I pray that you will live your lives wisely. Let's do that this coming week and for the rest of this year. Lord, help me to use every single second that you give me for the glory of God, for your glory, for your honor. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.